Welcome to the Humanists at Work podcast. I am Helga Zambrano, a fifth-year PhD student in comparative literature at the University of California, Los Angeles. And I'm also a member of the Humanists at Work Graduate Student Advisory Committee. Today we're talking about the intersection between teaching and civic engagement. What institutions like UCLA, UC Berkeley, and UC Irvine have often designated as service learning. A service learning course combines a rigorous academic curriculum centered around issues of social justice, which is also paired with community-based service. As we consider alternative career routes and professional experience for humanities PhD graduate students, we wanted to discuss how working as a teaching assistant within the humanities, a TA, can be an advantageous starting point to work alongside a faculty member and incorporate service learning and diversity education into the humanities curriculum. What added value can a humanist bring to a service learning program? Today we'll be asking questions about how service learning can diversify the humanities TA experience and the skills gained from it, the role of the humanities public scholar, and how this line of pedagogy could develop a professional and teaching value both within academia and for all-tech careers. And an even more pressing question, could this type of pedagogy encourage a trajectory shift in what the humanities could offer to their students and to their community? I have two guests joining me today on this topic. Beth Goodhue is the Assistant Director at the UCLA Center for Community Learning and received her PhD in English from UCLA. Beth is also a public humanities scholar who has been active with the Imagining America Public Humanities Consortium and has published scholarly articles on the intersection between literary studies and community service learning. Lisa Felipe is our second guest, and she is a lecturer and visiting fellow at UCLA. She received her PhD also at UCLA in comparative literature. Lisa is an advocate for social justice and community involvement within and beyond the humanities classroom and recently led the pedagogy seminar at UCLA to train graduate students on incorporating diversity learning and service learning into their teaching curriculum. Welcome. Thanks for having Thanks, us. Helga. Great. So um, my first question is um, if both of you um, could tell us a little bit about um, service learning, what diversity education is, and your involvement with this sort of work. This is Beth. At the Center for Community Learning, we work with departments all across the campus to develop service learning courses. And recently, UCLA just passed a new college of letters and science diversity education requirement for undergraduate students. So we've been doing a lot of work to connect service learning with diversity education. Um, our service learning courses, they all try to be mutually beneficial to everyone involved, so faculty and students, as well as our community organizations that we partner with. Um, these courses exist all throughout our curriculum in the humanities and elsewhere. Um, in the humanities, we have courses that are GE and writing one and two courses at UCLA, but also upper division electives in many of our humanities departments. Uh, yeah, and so I guess, Lisa, if you could speak a little bit about diversity education and your work in that. Yes, yeah, so as uh, Beth mentioned, we just passed a new diversity requirement, and I've been working um, this year to um, help develop a curriculum for training uh, TAs um, teaching the four series in comparative literature. And basically the four series courses are courses that 
um, teaching fellows or advanced TAs teach independently. They develop their own um, curriculum. They develop their own um, syllabus. And uh, what we wanted to do is to ensure that the diversity requirements are being um, kind of uh, honored in these courses, and we want to train the, 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 the TAs to be able to teach towards the diversity requirements. So I've been working towards um, creating a, a curriculum for training the TAs, as well as um, kind of finding methods to incorporate um, issues of diversity into the, the four, four uh, W courses. Great. Um, so if you could tell us a little bit about um, like what this course would look like, a specific example of you know, a recent humanities course that's been offered here. Um, you know, who are the different players involved? Um, the community members, the TAs, faculty? What would a syllabus look like that would incorporate this sort of thing? The short answer to that is that it could look like anything. You know, we can connect service learning with uh, discipline-specific course content across the different historical fields and across geographic regions. Um, a couple of examples of courses that have been offered recently. Um, we have offered a course on literature and healthcare that connects um, literature that represents issues of health and wellness, illness, disease, um, with students going out into the community to work on health-related projects with public health nonprofit organizations. So students might read, for instance, uh, a text like King Lear while working um, at an adult day center for seniors with dementia. Or they might read about sort of cancer survival and diagnosis and that whole process while they're working with a resource center for, for cancer survivors and their parents and families. Um, but also we have courses where there's often not that direct kind of one-to-one -one correspondence between text and content. It's also really um, important to think about how service learning applies really broadly. So we have courses that um, also make more diverse connections between sort of literature that students might be reading and how that might apply in different community contexts. Um, I'm teaching a course right now, it's just another example that uh, looks at children's literature and childhood literacy and students are out in the community reading with kids, but they're also looking at sort of historical trends in children's literature, contemporary publishing dynamics, and issues of sort of diversity and inclusion in the existing sort of texts available for young readers and the sort of future of the field. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's and that's something that's that's really quite interesting, especially, you know, thinking about child, uh, literacy and you know actually going out into the community and enacting this sort of process. Yeah. Um, and I think um, one question that, um, you know, when thinking about this type of teaching and, and this type of learning is what particular value um, would a humanist or humanities-based course offer as opposed to, you know, somebody in social sciences or something like that? What is it particular that you think about a humanist or that could add value to this type of work? I think it's really our engagement with text different kinds of texts, right? So whether it's film, literature, um, a piece of art, right? Allows us to be able to kind of critically engage in this particular text and that critical engagement to, can translate into one's critical engagement with the world at large, right? So when I teach courses that center around issues of diversity, we usually look at structures of power um, structures of oppression and how those structures of power and oppression are kind of um, manifest in the novels, in the films that we look at in class, but also how that can broaden
broadly kind of affect the day-to-day -day realities of the students. And so I think that um, humanists are able to bridge the gap from the classroom um, to, the, to the kind of larger realities that the students encounter every day. And if I can just add to that, I think it's also, humanists really are good at dealing with ambiguity and at differences in, in perspective and point of view and how those mm -hmm. things change the ways that we experience the world, the way we represent it in art and literature and things like that. And we're also really good at thinking through how things change over time mm -hmm. and how that matters. So in service learning, we're working obviously very much in the contemporary moment, the contemporary world here and now, but you can be doing that and reading King Lear and thinking about how those things are similar and different and how those point of points of view intersect and how what we can learn from the past can be still relevant to us now in the present. And so I always do try to, to stress when I'm talking with, you know, humanities faculty or with, with graduate students who are thinking about doing this work, that it's not just relevant if you happen to study like the contemporary moment in culture. Mm -hmm. You can do this work thinking through it um, as a historical context as well and that students actually really benefit from being able to use humanities inquiry to think through the, the gap between sort of the past and the present and what we want to do with this for the future. Yeah. And I think that speaks, you know, a lot to the open-ended nature of humanities inquiry in that you, there doesn't necessarily have to be like one perfect answer, right? There can be multiple answers and you can present that to students. And at first, while, you know, because a lot of them are so used to, um, you know, uh, wanting to give you the right answer, X equals this, right? Um, that, that a lot of times they're very much uncomfortable with this kind of open-ended ne uh, nature of, of uh, working in the humanities. But um, by, the, by the end, uh, they're able to really kind of um, stretch their imagination and to propose multiple possibilities and to, to look at really the multiple facets of the, the thing that they're looking at. And I think, um, you know, humanists really bring that... Uh, um, uh, kind of way of thinking in the classroom and and, and um, allow students to kind of broaden the way that they think about the world. Right, yeah, I mean, and I think it's also something if you think about um, how dialogical it is, like for example, if a student is going and, and perhaps working in a, in a nursery home and in a way engaging with, with this other, you know, community of people and learning to really grow sensitive to the stories and to the experiences that you know, these particular um, community, community members have. And so mm -hmm. that sensitivity, right? Yeah, and that's where that, that diversity yeah. education inclusion right. really comes in, that anytime we have students in these types of learning environments, whether it has a community component or it's diversity education mm -hmm. maybe happening in the classroom, the goal is to get the students thinking across differences, right? Encountering points of view that are different from their own backgrounds, experiences, and that happens all the time as soon as you leave campus everybody's different from you. And so finding ways to help students learn from that experience and realize that the community has a great deal to offer them and teach them that there are assets in the community that we can learn from and that what we can learn in the classroom can also be sort of put to work in the community, hopefully to benefit everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so then speaking to that, I mean, how, how do you see this sort of TA training experience, diversifying the humanities PhDs, um, you know, repertoire, right? Instead of only teaching in the classroom, you know, how can this also add valuable experience or skills that humanities graduate students can gain? 
I think that it's crucial for TAs, graduate students across the board to be able to, um, you know, do, do research and do all the things that a, a graduate student has to do, but at the same time be able to bring that kind of learning out into the community and be able to apply some of those skills out into the community. Um, the job market is changing. Uh, it's changed. <laughs> it's changed um, drastically in the last 10 years. And um, oftentimes, you know, talented, smart um, graduate students struggle to find, um, you know, uh, tenure track positions within the first two, three, four years of, of being in the market. And so in the meantime, right, what, are, what do you do? Um, and I think having those skills is really kind of both practical, but also it allows you to look at your PhD in a very different way and to utilize that PhD in a very different way than the way that you've always kind of thought of, thought of which is within the academic world. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, for undergraduate education, there has been a, a longer trend of valuing this type of experience. So there have been opportunities for undergraduate students to engage in community-based learning for, for longer than these opportunities have been available for graduate students, mm-hmm. even though a lot of times graduate students have been involved in the teaching of undergraduate students. But we've been doing that in the undergraduate curriculum so that students get to see how the humanities is at work in real life right now, not just after you graduate when you mm-hmm. have to figure out what you're going to do when you majored in English and you can't become an English as your career. <laughs> <laughs> so they have to figure out how they're going to apply their skills, but we can show them through service learning that they can already be putting those skills to work, that there is humanities work happening in the community mm-hmm. and they can be part of it. And the same thing I think happens for our graduate students when we start to involve them more directly in teaching and designing these courses and thinking about how this same type of work that we've been bringing to undergraduate students can be incredibly valuable for graduate students as part of understanding the value of their degree mm-hmm. um, in, in situations outside of a traditional academic context. Right. I mean, and, and I think it's also something, I'm, you know, somebody who, you know, just imagining what this looks like, you know, having the on the ground sort of experience and, and contacting these people in the community and actually having that sort of personable um, sort of relationship, you know, that, that really, I think, expands um, a TA's experience. You know, you're not just dealing with students, but now you're dealing with, you know, community members and members of that nonprofit organization mm-hmm. of some sort. So there is a kind of a bridge to be. Absolutely. I mean, I think our TAs who work on these types of courses develop all kinds of skills that, um, things like project management, right, communication with different types of community stakeholders besides just kind of communication with traditional academic stakeholders. They learn about flexibility and problem solving and what to do when something goes wrong and how to help students flexibly problem solve when they're taking mass transportation, when they're dealing with sort of issues and problems that are um, not always coming up in some of the more traditional format courses. So I think graduate students absolutely are building really transferable skills um, that enhance their PhD training in, in unique and really valuable ways for a range of career paths, both inside and outside the academy. So um, with that said, um, how do you think um, you have seen faculty, you know, humanities departments um, respond to this sort of um, service learning or diversity education um, component into humanities uh, teaching curriculum in perhaps the TA uh, training as well um, in, in teaching in the humanities? How have you seen that? 
I mean, I think that departments by lunch have been very interested in in this type, in exploring this type of teaching, and and we're still in the early stages of figuring out exactly what this would look like and what uh, what role graduate students would have. We have a long history of offering service learning in the writing curriculum, in particular, um, out of the English department, and now more recently through Complit, we're developing opportunities there as well. Um, and departments have been very supportive of involving graduate students as instructors in that process, and I think that. The Humanities Division, at least here at UCLA, has also been really interested in this work. Um, we recently secured a large Mellon grant to spend five years thinking about um, inclusive classrooms and service learning and community engagement are a big part of that project. Um, in addition to all the great work that's going on through the Humanists at Work and the MLA um, and things like that. So I think that there's there's a great deal of interest and, and I'm excited to see that. As someone who really cares about this type of pedagogy, I'm excited to see faculty and, and departments and, and deans and things like that interested in these conversations. Yeah, I think departments, and, and I can speak specifically to um, with uh, comparative literature, that are really are, are really interested in um, making sure that they also the TAs are supported when they do this kind of work, right? So that they're not just kind of saying go and you know make up a service learning course. That there are actually tools that are in place, um, and that they're trained, and that they you know that are, they're informed about what they need to do. Uh, in order to kind of, you know, be able to independently create these exciting courses that allow allow undergraduate students to leave the classroom and and take their learning outside. So I think it's it's an exciting time to kind of really be thinking about um, both service learning and uh, diversity pedagogy. Right. I mean, I think that element of you know having the resources and the tools and the training is really crucial, right? Because like you said, you don't want to just throw the, the graduate student TA, all right, good luck. Um, and I think, um, I guess that leads to my question about funding. Um, like for example, um, Beth, you had mentioned earlier, you know, well, if, if students are required to do this, uh, you know, community-based service and they have to take the bus or take mass transportation, I mean, what, what does that look like, you know, in terms of the funding or is I mean, the support? It income? definitely does take resources to support these courses in a variety of ways. I mean, at the, the bare minimum, you know, staffing the courses, so being able to hire the TAs or faculty to teach these courses um, and making sure that, that the courses are fitting within, you know, both department goals for teaching that needs to be offered, courses that need to be offered, and for students, making sure that these courses fit into their curriculum in meaningful ways um, above and beyond, hopefully, sort of an elective they would take on the side, but something that fits into their major or into diversity requirements or other types of requirements. Um, our center is working to expand our professional development program for graduate students. Um, we hope to be able to offer more workshops and seminars and things like that, but um, you know, we're still in the early stages, too, of developing some of those opportunities. Yeah, and I think that um, d departments, individual departments in the humanities um, should really um, have a stake in all of this, right? Because this is, this is part of, um, you know, what, what we offer to undergraduate students. And I think that if um, various departments are able to kind of pull together resources um, and, and not just, you know, hiring TAs, uh, to teach these courses, but also kind of with training, sharing information, and really collaborating, not just, um, yes, funding, but also collaborating with ideas on how to kind of better kind of um, support TAs and better provide training. I think that's really, really essential. And making sure our students can get out into the communities, like you were saying, um, where we want them to work. We want them 
to be able to get out into a wide range here in Los Angeles, let's say, beyond Westwood where the UCLA mm-hmm. campus is located to get out into more diverse communities of Los Angeles. Um, and that too takes takes resources and takes support. Um, and I think that I'm excited to see departments and divisions coming together to, to help support these initiatives. Um, but in order to scale up at the, the level that many of us hope we will be, we'll need to be thinking strategically about how we can best move forward in those ways. Yeah, I mean, and and I think, you know, thinking of the, the graduate student, the PhD humanities graduate student, I mean, who would eventually TA these courses, I mean, how does this, can this encourage, you know, career prospects? I mean, does this provide an opportunity to not only think about, you know, their, their marketability in an academic uh, career path, but also an alternative um, acad- academic career path? Um, I don't know what sort of industries or careers you would see outside of academia that perhaps this line of work could benefit from. I mean, I think that at the very least, you know, one of the the most straightforward benefits of doing this type of teaching is getting to build a network with community organizations and getting to see what types of nonprofit organizations, government agencies are able to put humanists to work, whether those humanists are your undergraduate students or graduate students as well. So I think that I see, I hear graduate students talk about this often that one reason why they value this type of teaching is that opportunity to get to know about other types of work environments and to get to experience how to manage projects that bring these different stakeholders together. Mm-hmm. So I think that it really opens opens people's eyes in addition to sort of hopefully opening doors for them as well, connecting them with people. Yeah, and, and before, before, you know, coming to UCLA as a graduate student, I was predominantly in the nonprofit world, um, running community-based education programs and volunteer programs and um, kind of really invested in, 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 those, in providing services for the community. And I think that um, as a graduate student now as a, as a lecturer, that experience has always informed me in the way that I teach. And mm-hmm. it always kind of um, really makes me kind of think about um, not only you know possibilities for other kind of forms of employment, which is important, but also how to um, really incorporate the skills that I've learned from being in the nonprofit world, from working with community organizations into my own um, into my own work, into my own research, and into um, the things that I've come to be interested in as an academic. So I think it worked both way. It can work both ways, right? That working it with with various community organizations. Uh, really can inform how you perceive your own work, and I think that's really important. If if that's, um, you know, the the if you really would, you know, if you realize that this is really what where would you where you'd rather go as an academic is to pursue um, a career in academia, and I, I think it's it's helpful to to see um, you know different kinds of um, work environments and. It was helpful for me. So I think that too that Lisa, what Lisa's pointing to is actually many graduate students have had lives before outside <laughs> of the academy before they came to graduate school, or they have lives happening at the same time they're in graduate school. Right. It doesn't stop. People have multiple commitments and things that they care about, and many graduate students have always cared about what's going on in the world outside the university. And so, for many graduate students considering a career that might include those commitments isn't outside of the realm of the possible. It's just not 
historically what we've been training them to do in sort of letters and science disciplines like, like traditional humanities departments, doctoral programs. And I, what I'm so excited to see is, is those conversations beginning to shift that, that now we're not talking so much about there's a crisis in the humanities, there's not enough jobs for all the PhDs that are out there. And instead we're thinking about what are the assets that PhD students have, what are their, the commitments they already have in the communities, how can we bring these things together and think more creatively about the types of careers that PhD students are prepared for and are likely to be successful with. And I think that this is this type of pedagogy, this type of training can be a really great way to validate those commitments that many people already have um, and find ways to connect that with their long-term career prospects, whether that's in the academy, outside the academy, or somewhere in between. Great. Yeah, no, that's, I definitely agree. Um, and with that said, um, I guess just the, the kind of the larger question just to kind of conclude um, is, you know, how do you see, um, I don't know, humanities TA training maybe in the next, uh, I don't know, five, ten years? Is this something that, like you said, you see this shifting and do you think this is something that will continue to grow? Um, what can TAs, you know, current graduate students do right now to, to start that process? I hope it'll continue to grow and I think that one of the best ways to make sure that happens is for graduate students to be talking with their departments about the types of teaching that they're excited to do. And hopefully getting out into community-based learning, getting into diversity education is gonna be part of that. I mean, I think that, that both of those approaches and especially those two approaches together are a huge part of what the future of higher education looks like, um, the, a huge part of the type of teaching that people would be doing where they'd be pursuing tenure-track teaching jobs. Um, but it's also a great way to provide graduate students with the support they need to be building skills that will transfer into a wide range of careers. So I think that for graduate students to advocate for this type of teaching and, and to be taking advantage of pedagogy training seminars and, and workshops and things that are available um, on their campus as, as opportunities to begin those conversations to leverage that, um, that they do have allies on their campuses that they can work with who will support them in this type of work. Um, and who will help them then be um, more, hopefully more successful as they go to departments to, to demonstrate that they're ready to do this work. Um, one of the main reservations sometimes faculty have about thinking about, oh, I, how would I mount a new community engagement lecture course is, will I have graduate students who are ready, like able to support me? And I think that for graduate students to really jump on that opportunity and then be preparing themselves that, that we could have people ready and, and sort of waiting when departments step up to, and I, and I think that the first step is um, giving graduate students information, right? And, 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 and showing them that, that working in academia doesn't close you off to working elsewhere, um, to possibilities elsewhere, and to doing things at the same time while you're a scholar at, the, you know, uh, um, at UCLA. And that, that it's not something that you know, has to limit um, your experience as a graduate student. And I think a lot of um, graduate students don't necessarily know that even service learning is, a, uh, you know, doing a service learning course is a possibility. Um, and I think that's part of the role of the departments to inform students. And I think that's, you know, part of um, the kind of um, pedagogical training that needs to be in place 
so that students are well informed, graduate students are well informed, so that they know that these there are other possibilities for them, right? Um, one of the things that I can actually point to that we're doing here in Complit, because we're doing it in a couple of weeks, is um, we do our annual um, comparative um, lit um, symposium. On, on pedagogy, and, and Beth is speaking in one of those days. I invited her to speak in one of the days. And uh, traditionally, um, these uh, the, the pedagogical symposium is really about um, just kind of um, teaching, you know, TAs classroom management skills, to, to syllabi, syllabi design, um, how to incorporate theory into teaching your, the, the, the courses that you teach. Um, uh, and other kinds of, you know, kind of helpful uh, tips that one can, can um, impart on, on kind of new graduate uh, uh, students who are, are teaching courses for the first time. But this year we're doing it for two days. So we're still doing that component where we do the kind of traditional pedagogical stuff, the writing to pedagogy and the complete pedagogy, but we're also doing um, a second day where we have service learning um, pedagogy, and we're also doing um, the diversity pedagogy, so that those two things are not apart. Um, your experience of in academia are not, you know, are not separated. Mm -hmm. That you can have those two things together, and, and it's okay. It actually, um, you know, creates a, a well-rounded, uh, well-trained graduate student. Well, thank you to both of you uh, for this lovely conversation. Um, and once again, um, this has been uh, Beth. Goodhue, who is the assistant director at the UCLA Center uh, for Community Learning, and Lisa Felipe, who is a lecturer and visiting fellow at UCLA. I am Helga Zambrano, a graduate student at UCLA, and this has been a Humanists at Work podcast. Humanists at Work is made possible by the support of the Modern Language Association's Connected Academics preparing doctoral students of language and literature for a variety of careers initiative. For more information, please visit our website, humework.uchri.org. And you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching for Humanists at Work. See ya.